Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. We hope everyone is having a great week. We're having the best time in New York. Things are definitely picking back up and it could not be more beautiful outside. Anna stops and takes a photo at every tree we see. <laughs> oh, Every tree is just like blooming. The flowers are incredible and like every place has planted like little like little like daffodils outside and stuff so it's just like so pretty I've never seen New York look like this New York is blooming <laughs> um that's such a lie I've definitely seen it look like this it's just been so long because we missed spring last year we did miss spring but yeah and I just feel like because things are like looking up like so many new galleries are like doing or not new galleries but so many galleries are doing like openings and things for their new shows and just like it just feels like we're getting back to normal, which is just great. It's a great feeling. The best. Um, but we can get into the episode. Yes. And before we begin, we have our usual update. You may remember that a few weeks ago, we reported that Centre Pompidou in Paris will be closed for renovations for three years. But this week, the art newspaper reported that, quote, Centre Pompidou plans to show 120,000 works as much as possible around France during three-year closure. So while the Paris Museum undergoes renovations, Europe's biggest modern and contemporary art collection will literally go on tour, keeping curators employed it's such a good idea but also this headline can be a little misleading so just a little refresher the museum is closed right now not for renovations but just because things in paris and around france have not reopened because of the pandemic but the renovations will start in 2023 and it'll be closed until 2026 so hopefully it'll be open for a little again before it closes for another three years but in 2025 the museum plans to open an art factory in Amasi, which is a southern suburb of Paris that has been billed as France's Silicon Valley due to its cluster of tech startups. And the new space will be used for storage and restoration of artworks as well as for research and collaboration with the Paris Saclay University, which is just super exciting. And it's like one of the things that they're planning to do. But the collection will just be traveling around. And the article gets more into detail on like the specific places that the um, collection will be going. But I think because it's not happening for like two more years and it was just announced I don't think they know exactly like where the works are going or like how it's really going to work out I think this is such a great idea and it does remind me of the Frick reopening in a new space while it goes under renovations and it's always a great opportunity to see artwork in different spaces to just like really get to know the work more this is super random but I just remembered I had a dream I was at the Frick last (laughs) night so just had to share that was I there (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think it was like the probably honestly, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I think we. Re- I don't really remember who I was with, but the museum was like closed. I don't know. Anyways, we can now get into our headlines for the week. Anna dreams about art. Yes. <laughs> our first headline of the week comes to us from Artnet News, where it was reported that quote. Egypt just held an astonishing real-life mummy parade through the streets of Cairo to celebrate the opening of a new museum. Earlier this week, in honor of the long-awaited opening of the National Museum of Egyptian Civilization in Cairo, Egypt, a procession of 22 ancient royal mummies were transported to their new home where they will be on view later this month. Referred to as a pharaoh's golden parade, the journey was three miles long, included horse-drawn chariots and hundreds of performers in ancient-style costumes. But there were no crowds to watch the spectacle because of the pandemic, but locals were instead encouraged to watch through their TVs, which is kind of sad, but still very cool. Sad, cool, but very on brand. 
for the pandemic. The multi-million dollar affair included special shock absorbent vehicles, repaved roads, and to maintain optimal preservation conditions, the mummies were put into oxygen-free nitrogen capsules for the duration Mm -hmm. of their journey. So it really was like they were very committed to the cause. It's insane. Each of the 18 kings and four queens had their own gold and blue car designed to look like the pharaonic boats that were used to transport ancient royals to their tombs and featuring the winged sun symbol using by the pharaohs. And the new museum aims to recapture some of the tourism lost in recent years due both to political unrest and Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Egypt began building the National Museum of Egyptian Civilization in 2002, but the project has experienced many delays, which is why it's taken over 10 years. Yeah. Almost 20. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Um, The mummies will go on display on April 18th, so in 10 days. And from now until then, the entrance to the museum will be half price, which is interesting because it's almost like devaluing the rest of the collection. Right. Like, obviously, these mummies are the centerpiece of the museum, but usually museums try and hype up the rest of their collection as well. So I thought that was interesting. But it also is probably encouraging people to come and visit now who maybe wouldn't wouldn't do it yeah because of like um financial reasons yeah it's an incentive exactly and there has been some backlash as locals noticed that during the filming of this parade a lot of things were orchestrated to block views of impoverished communities with banners flags and temporary barricades so they were literally just like creating this scene and forgetting what else is going on exactly honestly that doesn't shock me i feel like mexico would do the same thing if they haven't already done that but um it's really sad but yeah after about 45 minutes, the parade ended in front of the new museum with a 21 gun salute, and they were greeted by Egypt's president, who had inaugurated the main hall earlier that day. So it really was all about presentation and excitement, yes. even though no one could be there in person. Mm-hmm. And we included a link in the episode description, like we always do. But definitely be sure to check this one out because the photos are actually unbelievable to see the hundreds of performers like in full costume walking these mummies. Like I've never really seen anything like it. No, it's crazy. I feel like this um, year our episodes have been very like like Asian art heavy like mm-hmm. we've had at least one headline in the past like couple weeks that refers to like either like Greek Asian art or Egyptian Asian art and it's just so interesting lots of discoveries exactly that um and I think we should just keep it that way because we love this type of art and like it's never really publicized as much as it should be I know and I love seeing the mummies at the museums like I really want to go now <laughs> I know Cairo 2022. (laughs) So I think we're ready to move on. Headline number two also comes to us from Artnet News, which reported that, quote, the only home Ai Weiwei ever designed in the U.S. just sold for a whopping $4.9 million in upstate New York. So designed by Chinese artist Ai Weiwei and the Swiss firm HHF Architects in 2006, the property is located in the town of Ankram, about two hours north of New York City. The property, commissioned by investor Christopher Say, is known as the Say Residence and sold in 2013 for $4.25 million, but has been on the market for $5.25 million since 2019. What's so interesting about these prices is that the property still does not top the artist's auction record, mm-hmm. which was £3.44 million pounds or $5.5 for $2 million for his circle of Zodiac heads, which was set in 2015 at Phillips London. And the work is like really one of his most iconic. Yes, it, it truly is. But this is not Ai Weiwei's only venture into architecture as the artist helped to design the infamous Bird's Nest Stadium for the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And the artist 
Actually, this is a little known fact, assisted in the design of United Talent Mm -hmm. Agency's artist space, which is in Beverly Hills, which opened while I was interning there. So I got to see the full process. Yes. And praised by the real estate agent as livable art, the home is a 2,800 square foot building with four adjacent cube shaped structures connected along a hallway. This is another one where I encourage everyone to go click on the link. I think all of our stories today are very visual. So people should just go click on the links, but we'll also be posting on our stories on Instagram. So yes, you can also check it out there. Definitely. The home has a very industrial appearance. It's Mm -hmm. finished with fluted iron panels and is reminiscent of kind of an agricultural shed nestled within a larger 37.5 acre property, which is so much more land than we get in the city. Oh, really? (laughs) Really? You don't have that much space in your apartment. In our thousand square foot apartment. (laughs) Some more facts about the home. It has three bedrooms, three bathrooms, um, two living rooms, and three fireplaces, as well as an outdoor lap pool. And in 2009, a guest house with an office, two bedrooms, and an art gallery was added to the property. And that building actually won an award, the American Architecture Award in 2013. So it's a really exciting property. Yes, it's honestly really close. So maybe we could just like do a drive by. We would love to tour on and I love apartment touring. <laughs> we love real estate. <laughs> to a concerning degree. We sometimes like go around just like we are like, oh, we should move. Um, it's so fun to look and they always show you apartments they always believe us but we're never moving we love our apartment (laughs) never (laughs) our third headline of the day comes to us from art news which reported that quote dutch man arrested in connection with high profile heist of van gogh and hall's works so a dutch man has been arrested in connection with two high profile art heists that took place in 2020 on Tuesday, members of the police in the Netherlands detained a man at his home in Barn, a small town in the Dutch countryside. So he was arrested on suspicion that he stole highly valued works by Vincent Van Gogh and Frans Hals last year, and those paintings have still not been recovered. The works Van Gogh's The Parsonage Garden at Noonan in Spring from 1884 and Hall's Two Laughing Boys with a Mug of Beer circa 1626 to 27 were stolen from the Singer Lauren Museum and the Hoff and Arden Museum in Lurden, both in the Netherlands. And the Van Gogh was stolen in March of 2020 just after the COVID lockdown began and had been on the on loan from the Groninger Museum. So it's really bad that it was stolen while it was on loan and like not even in and it's temporary or um, permanent home. And the Hall's painting, which has been subject to two prior heists as well in 1988 and 2011, was taken in August. I think that was the part of the story that surprised me yes, the most. Yes, me too. I could not believe it. Also, the article itself didn't really go in detail on how it was stolen in 1988 and 2011. And I just wanted to know more about that. Like, how did it happen? Where was it stolen from? How was it recovered? Well, like, what kind of painting gets stolen three times? Like, you think after the first, they would amp up security. Oh, it's crazy. And the police did not release the suspect's name and so far have not shared any details about the whereabouts of the painting. So we're really just not so knowledgeable. Yes, and neither the Groninger Museum nor the singer Lauren have placed a value on the Van Gogh painting painting but the hall's canvas is believed to be worth around 17.7 million dollars so clearly these are very valuable works and sought after if it's been stolen three times yes i think we also this is one of these stories that like we have been talking about a lot of art heists like recently Mm -hmm. but we love a little art crime um and i think we're just excited because like the isabella gardner um documentary is coming out on netflix and like yes. we've been talking about it for a while so yeah we'll we'll for sure there are actually on this story. so many great art documentaries on netflix yes 
Yeah, definitely. Just search art crime and see what comes up. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Our fourth headline of the day comes to us from Rob Report, where it was announced that, quote, Fabergé is making a $2.2 million dragon egg inspired by Game of Thrones. Okay, before we get into it, I have to like, just a PSA, I have not seen Game of Thrones, so I don't really know what this headline is talking about, but it The pictures are very cool. Anna could have seen Game of Thrones. She could have come over to watch with me and she never did. Paige had little watching sessions in college, but I just like, it's not my type of show. It could be though. You wouldn't know. (laughs) To celebrate the 10 year anniversary of the acclaimed HBO series, Fabergé has hatched a bejeweled egg inspired by the mother of dragons and her quest to seize the Iron Throne. So the egg was co-designed by Michelle Clapton, the award-winning British costume designer who worked on the eighth season saga um, the one of object dart is reminiscent of the dragon eggs that Daenerys Targaryen is gifted in the first season of the show. Thank you for helping me out. I really did not know how to say that. Anytime. <laughs> the design references the star's incredible journey and the importance of color within her costumes, her passion for her dragons, and the way she portrayed messages via her jewelry throughout her journey on the show. The costumes on the show were actually incredible. Like yeah. the level of detail. I'm sure you've so seen I did, photos. I did see those. <laughs> And references from the textures of the dragons and their iconic eggs were used to inform the surfaces of the egg. And we, as I said before, posted some images on our Instagram. So definitely go look at those. The rarity showcases Fabergé's superior craftsmanship and it's covered with diamonds, 18 karat white gold and fine enameling. In classic Fabergé fashion, it also opens up to reveal even more bling inside. So it's really, they just went all out with yes. this one. And when you open it, there's actually a miniature crown that sits in the center of the egg and the crown is set with a sizable Paracut ruby, which was responsibly sourced from the Gemfields ruby mine in Mozambique. Love responsible sourcing. Yes. As the headline announced, this collector's item will cost $2.2 million. So someone has to be obsessed with the show <laughs> and Fabergé eggs. I think like Fabergé eggs on their own are so incredible that yes, the design is so cool that even if I wasn't that obsessed with the show, which you're not, which I'm, I literally am not at all. I would buy it like if I was into that sort of stuff yeah I wouldn't spend 2.2 million dollars on that like you can buy something that you can wear I don't know like you can buy like a really <gasps> Anna nice... just wants some jewelry no no no, no. <laughs> have you seen Kim Kardashian's ring <laughs> no but seriously I just like no really... Fabergé eggs are incredible so no, regardless yeah, exactly but yeah I so have cool. nothing else to say about this such an exciting headline <laughs> our fifth and final story of the week was reported by the arts newspaper which read quote Six scholars fool the public with invented documents about the date Venice was founded. So six Italian scholars have taken an April Fool's prank to a new level by forging documents that suggest Venice was founded on March 25th, 421 instead of 1514, which currently is considered to be the earliest documentation of the city. So it's almost... I mean, it's years and years before. It's not like a difference of one or two years. Yes. So on March 25th, the city's 1600 anniversary began to be commemorated in pomp and circumstance with a mass basilica of St. Mark's ringing all of the bells of Venice and with a message from the president of Italy and 230 proposals to the organizing committee of events for the rest of the year. So quite the affair. Yes. However, during the week leading up to this anniversary, the pranksters were teasing these new documents to the public 
And it's important to note that they were showcasing the fact that they had two of them, which made it difficult to refute. Because if you find one document, I think people automatically question it. But the fact that there were two was very convincing. So like not to bring back the another documentary. No, bring it back. But I feel like part of the issue, it's like similar to that because it was like not just one expert who claimed that the paintings were real. It was like multiple people being like, yeah, these are amazing works. So it's like the same idea where it was just like two documents. So it was like more believable I just think it's so easy to cancel one person or yeah. one document and just kind of write it off but uh-huh. when you have a group and yeah it's just it's harder to say no yeah but the plan was to release a video on April 2nd revealing the prank instead of going into more detail as advertised obviously because of April Fool's right and a quote from the confession which I found really interesting was mm-hmm. not just to lighten our spirits in these dark times but to remind us of the importance of original sources so they did try and kind of turn this prank it's so weird into a more academic campaign yeah all to make a plea for the ethics of historical research which is obviously so important but of course I don't think this is like very tasteful of them well it's confusing to me because of anything I think it would make people question all historical sources if they're so easily fooled yeah (laughs) yeah like do you really want to put all your faith in something that could be can shift so quickly with not that much proof like I don't know. I don't think so. But Venice was also in the news this week for a different, more logistical reason. Mm -hmm. As reported by AP News, quote, Venice Lagoon still at risk after cruise ship decree. So activists opposed to cruise ships in Venice are seeking a meeting with the Italian government to argue that its latest proposal to reroute big ships away from St. Mark's Square doesn't address pressing environmental concerns about the Venetian Lagoon, which is in a very fragile state. Yeah, I think we talked about this story a while ago, right? How like the cruise ships were going to be rerouted. Right. And it's a really big deal because for the first time during the pandemic, there are obviously no cruise were, ships yes. because cruise ships are like a COVID but nightmare. But are they even going to come back ever? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Unpopular opinion, maybe. But they were coming so close to St. Mark's Square, which is like this beautiful yeah. historical. Which and already floods on its own because of like rainwater. So many issues. Yes, I exactly. Mean, the city is sinking. <laughs> The last thing they need are these massive cruise ships. But the temporary plan being proposed is to redirect large cruise ships to Margrera, but activists from the No Big Ships Committee are you... That sounds like a fake name. I think it just got translated maybe in a way that is not... lost in translation. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Are you that this will not actually protect the lagoon, only the historic center, which is true. (laughs) It's just logistically a fact. Yes. And tourism is just such an issue in Venice that this isn't helping that issue either yeah. by redirecting them to a nearby I agree. area. Like the floods of people are still going to come. Venice in the summer can truly just be the biggest nightmare. Well, it's so hot too. It's <laughs> gross. And it's so small and you can't really walk that. Like you can walk, but to get from one place to the other, like it's literally in the water. So you have to take like boats and stuff. So it's just really hard. And I think half the issue is the cruise ships because they come in the summer and hundreds and hundreds of Mm -hmm. people like flood St. Mark's Square who aren't even staying on the island. So it's like over capacity. Yeah, it's it's actually crazy. But I think that's it for the headlines of the week. We do have our emerging story. Yes, we're super excited about our emerging story this week. As reported by the art newspaper, quote, Frida Kahlo's Casa Azul vies for Guinness world record with concert by 97-year-old drummer this weekend. Yep. So Mexico City's Casa Azul Museum, best known as the artist Frida Kahlo's house, could become the venue for a world record when it plays 
um, host to the drummer Tino Contreras this weekend. And the legendary figure on the Mexican music scene who just turned 97 is in line to become the oldest musician to headline a live streamed concert, according to a spokesperson. Mm -hmm. And when Frida Kahlo married Diego Rivera for the first time in 1929, Contreras was five years old. And now he tells our newspaper that he is looking forward to setting up his drum kit among the pre-Columbian sculptures in the patio garden at Casa Azul. And the concert will be live streamed to paying audiences and it will be a first for the museum. Like they've never had this type of performance before. We've attached a link on the episode notes in Mm -hmm. case any of our listeners want to buy tickets. Yeah, it seems very cool. And I just can't believe that a 97 year old man is playing the drums. Like Like, I'm so excited to see that. I can't even play the drums. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Really? I'm not so musically inclined. Same, actually. I love music, but I... We love karaoke. We love karaoke. We're not good at it, but we love going. Um, But I think that's it for us for the day. Yeah, I think that's it. Stay tuned next week for our Monday Chatter check-in and another Thursday Top 5. Follow us on Instagram at Curated Chatter. Thank you. Bye.